You are listening to Personal Branding Exposed with Megan McNeil. Each episode will explore different areas of personal branding and how you can build, maintain, and leverage off your own personal brand. Here's your host, Megan. Hey, Andy. Thanks so much for joining me today for Personal Branding Exposed. How are you? Very well, Megan. How are you, my dear? Uh, well, it's the end of my day. I've had a pretty good day, but it's the uh, very early mornings for you. Yes, it is 7 a.m. on the dot in the sunny, actually cloudy burbs, North Chicago burbs. Lovely. Well, we're down in Perth, Western Australia. It was a lovely day here as always, but that is Australia for you. So, Andy, tell everyone who you are and what it is you do. Sure. So I am a LinkedIn branding uh, strategy guy. Uh, typically, people come uh, to me if they are looking to leverage LinkedIn fully, so they understand that it's important, but uh, for one reason or another, they're not um, getting any traction or they're not um, achieving any of their objectives. And um, they typically, Megan, they see something that I've written, and uh, that um, that I think persuades them that uh, I'm certainly a wordsmith. So, you know, I can write, I can string sentences together. Uh, I know uh, a little uh, or a lot about LinkedIn, depending on what area we're talking about. And I'm a marketer. So, you know, I, I know how to um, position myself and therefore, in theory, right, I should be able to help other people do the same thing. Um, and it's all about content with me, Megan. It's all about, you know, pushing out as much value out there as possible. And um, that's, I think, the way that you sell. That's the way that you sell yourself. That's how you achieve your objectives in the end. And LinkedIn has made it so easy for everyone to uh, use content as a way to persuade and influence. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm all about that, um, that ability and that, that, um, um, that approach. I believe firmly that everyone has um, multiple stories to tell uh, and that everyone is endlessly fascinating, right? There's something inherently interesting about people uh, full stop, but I think that the key is to pull out those stories, right? What is this person's narrative? What do they have to share? Yeah. And I think that's that's where the true value lies, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly uh, what you think too. That's I'm sure that's part of your branding cocktail. Oh, look, I that's why I was so drawn to you in the first place, Andy, is because there's so many people on LinkedIn or on other platforms trying to pull you over to LinkedIn, telling you how they'll make you ten thousand dollars in your first month, and it's it's all about the dollars, whereas. Um, I'm in the branding space as well. I'm a little. I, you know, I focus very much just on the personal branding strategy and its overall. And it may include LinkedIn for some people. It might not. But I never say to someone, "Oh, look, ten thousand dollars. Work with me, and you will you'll earn ten thousand dollars." Because branding isn't an exercise where you turn it on and you instantly make money. It is a long game, and it's something where that you commit to and you have to show up on all the time. I'm personally, I'm like you, I think LinkedIn is one of the best platforms to be doing that online at the moment. Nothing will ever beat face to face, in my opinion. Like I just, you just can't replicate that. But LinkedIn comes as close to it 
as I think we're we're possibly going to get. Although there's more still to come, I'm sure. You know, there's lots of platforms popping up and different technology. But yeah, so that's why I was drawn to you in the first place. Now, a lot of my Instagram followers will be semi-familiar with you already because I share a lot of your content over there, some of your ideas, especially about the algorithm and how how that works. Andy makes it so consumable. You really do make it really consumable for people to be able to understand the benefits of LinkedIn. Can you, because there'll be a few people that are watching tonight or listening to the podcast later on that are still on, on the fence about LinkedIn, why do you think it is so powerful? Yeah. So before I get there, I just want to um, I just want to go back to some of the stuff you said that it is the long game. Um, do you know Mary Henderson? Yes. So Mary Henderson has this uh, amazing uh, approach to LinkedIn. She's she's built this uh, from the ground up. She's built this magazine called Authority uh, 5.0. I call her the Forbes of LinkedIn because that's essentially what she's become and she's built it herself, bootstrapped it. She's amazing. Anyway, so I mentioned that because um, I just recently um, wrote an article uh, called Two Crazy LinkedIn Theories and the Long Game. And it is a long game because I'm very fond of saying that I'm an overnight success that took 10 years. Yep. And I think that, because you know this yourself, right? It takes so long to build anything, especially on a platform like LinkedIn. And it seems like it's a snail's pace progress, right? Uh, and that's, I think, the biggest disappointment uh, with some of my clients uh, when they're looking for my help because they expect instant success right they expect their post to just take off and it's never going to happen unless you build the foundation and yep. you know we can talk about the foundation but essentially it's it's about having you know interested people who will coalesce every time that you produce something right you could call that you call you could call them the tribe so uh, that's the first point i wanted to make but um yeah in terms of linkedin it's it's just a target rich environment because there are people there that are entirely interested about doing deals getting ahead and making something of themselves and you know and i think that's you know that's those are the primary motives but the audience is also there because there are people there who have the equivalent interest and they're all trying to gsd right get shit done and even though even though there have been uh, there has been the facebookization of linkedin that also is a good thing because it's more eyeballs and then it's more scope it's more uh, variation on the content theme right you can talk about whatever you want now uh, it can be aspirational it can be deeply personal um, so you know the, the facebookers have come over to linkedin because they realize yeah this is where the action is and uh, initially, I was very, oh, I'm not so sure about this, right? Why am I seeing this cat video? Uh, but then if a ton of people are interested in seeing cats uh, performing tricks or whatever, then, of course, it's an audience, right? And why not? So, yeah, it's it's target rich. Um, I, what else? I was going to say something else. I just lost my train of thought. It'll come back to me. LinkedIn is just wonderful. It really is. Like I just yeah. I think the the amount of um, features and like you were saying, it's was not turning into Facebook, but it's starting to get feature rich like Facebook is. Um, their their groups are still letting them down badly, but a lot of the features are there, so it's more user friendly, which is making more people migrate over to it. But without all that fluff, like I don't know about you, but I hate going onto my Facebook now because by the time I am I've scrolled through for a couple of minutes. I'm lucky if I've seen anything from anyone I actually care about anymore. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very sort of uh, surgical in my use of uh, Facebook. So I, um, I think 95% of the time I spend on Facebook is, is mostly to do with the community that I've built there. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the LinkedIn Action User Group Heroes, which seems very wordy and unnecessary, but I actually came up with the acronym first. I realized that the L had to be in there for LinkedIn. I thought LinkedIn Action. Oh, I know. If I if I build something around laugh, that might be kind of fun. So that's exactly what I did. I started with laugh, and I thought, okay, LinkedIn action user group heroes got it, nailed it. And then people have joined that community, and I've only recently started to say, hey, by the way, guys, uh, thank you for. I call them heroes, uh, but I I also say thanks for joining laugh. And then a lot of them go, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, that's 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 a wordsmith for you. That's that's what wordsmiths do. So yeah, Facebook is. Um, exclusively my own use of, of Facebook is for that community and I don't really spend much time on the content um, but yeah at groups you know we could we could go there LinkedIn groups that's why I built on built on Facebook because mm. you know it was it was kind of my 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 wee way of saying hey listen sort yourself out because if if uh, if you've got 900 or so LinkedIn obsessives are not coalescing on on the platform they love then maybe houston you have a problem yeah. right um yeah so uh liam's in the chat hello liam my good friend stefan hello uh pointing pointing uh some of them some of these good folks out to you i'm sure you're aware of them too uh megan yes i'm seeing them all come up they're very excited to hear from you too tonight from <laughs> us yes they're excited to hear from us um look i uh, i've got a couple of fairly successful two, only two groups. I've got a few groups on LinkedIn, but there's two that are actually working quite well. But all my work to try and get that community working, whereas Facebook, like you said, it's just a set up for it. It's much better. And I guess you're using Facebook perhaps similarly to the way I'm using Instagram to try and educate people about LinkedIn. And I'm using it as a funnel to bring them over to the superior platform, I guess you could say. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, you're, you're dead on about how Facebook makes it so easy to run a group, but also to maximize the engagement. Uh, and you've got to think that, you know, this stuff is not, is not hard, right? It's not hard to, you know, structure a, a group in a way that the community is just going to, is going to, you know, swell and is going to uh, interact. Uh, so uh, perhaps, you know, it's something to do with, with money, Right, LinkedIn never felt that uh, the group's product could be a you know uh, uh, a great product for the revenue. Maybe that was it. Um, maybe they just focused on on content and decided, you know what, we've got we've got a lot of people posting. Um, why do we need to do anything else? Uh, we'll just keep on, um, you know, we'll we'll keep on adding to that that particular uh, fire, add fuel onto onto that. But yeah, so it's it, it's a shame. Um, certainly it's a shame because you know, LinkedIn groups is where I started. That's where my education started. Mm. Um, I joined, I joined LinkedIn and then the first thing I would do was build groups and it blew my mind that, oh, I can, I can build any community around any subject I want and grow it would, by the way, you know, some of these grew very quickly without yeah. me having to do anything, anything at all. In fact, LinkedIn groups still, the ones that I run, um, are still growing, which is which is quite weird, right? Even though there's all this negative PR around groups, there's still every single one of mine is is growing. Um, 
so yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's a strange situation. I call um, I call content certainly content around posts. I call that the like the uh, pop up groups. So every time you write something, there's that uh, you know there's that possibility of people coming to that post. And then the the thing I love is not just the interaction with me, but the interaction with other folks uh, in the in the discussion thread around a you know around around a great post. I love absolutely love that. Um, yeah. Talking about that, um, let's touch on pods because I absolutely hate pods. Um, I had a bit of a blue with someone recently who tried to invite me to a pod and then I realized some people that I thought had some really great engagement were in a pod and I was really disappointed. Now, you have done some amount of research to the back end of um, LinkedIn and how it actually works. You're testing it to within an inch of its life. Can you just please tell people, it's one thing for me to say, don't join a pod, it's just stupid. Can you talk to us about why we should not join pods? Right. So before I go there, I just want to um, I, I want to examine why people might want to do that. And I think it's it's going back to what I was saying about LinkedIn being target rich and there being so much possibility and potential, um, you know, for getting stuff done. I think I think people um, there's something about you know humans that we're looking always to maximize our time, uh, certainly to be super efficient and maybe maybe cut corners. And I think. You know that's part of the cut the cutting corners mentality. How can I hack this? And pods are an attempt to hack the LinkedIn algorithm. Um, I think, but in a bad way, uh, because fundamentally LinkedIn hates any kind of gaming. They just can't stand it. They don't like click and bait uh, posts. They'll do everything possible to deter this uh, maybe natural inclination of, for some humans to try and hack or or cut corners or game. So. What do I mean by pods and gaming? Well, you know, for folks who are listening and perhaps don't know, pod is essentially a, it's an engagement collaborative uh, collaboration between a bunch of users who have decided, okay, we are systematically going to get together and game the algorithm, um, and we're going to do this by posting our content, just our content within the pod. Um, at specific times during specific days, and we're going to alert everyone that we've done that. So as soon as it's been published, everyone in the pod will know, and they're all supposed to converge on this content, this, this you know pod members' content, and then they're supposed to react and comment uh, as quickly as possible within certainly the first 60 minutes, the golden hour. And in doing so, it's supposed to signal to the algorithm that this content is of interest. Now, a number of problems with that, but the first thing I think is that um, I think the algorithm is smart to understand or at least to detect when the same, whatever, 40 or 50 folks are all trying to do that uh, on a regular systematic basis. I think I think the LinkedIn algorithm could possibly uh, spot that. And I also think that it's artificial because um, I think when you've got that going on, I don't think, I, I think it's forced sometimes. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, some insight on this. I ran two parts uh, about two years ago because I was, I always experiment and try new things. And um, the, the bigger one was around, I don't know, sixty or seventy people at the end of the day. And I found a number of issues. Um, the quality of the content was not always, you know, what I would would usually um, set for myself. And so there was always not always, but there was sometimes a reluctance for me to comment on anything that I didn't think was reaching that threshold of quality in my own, you know, my own, um, 
my own measurement. And then the other thing was that not everyone was a LinkedIn uh, guy or gal. There were some people in other spaces. And I felt it was difficult for me sometimes to make, to add a meaningful comment because it wasn't my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, that was the other thing. So quality, not my wheelhouse. Um, and then I also started to think, is this experiment worthwhile? Is it is it working? And it didn't seem like uh, we were actually igniting the algo with you know with with comment or reaction fuel. It didn't seem to be happening. And in fact, I felt that it was actually harming us. I felt that the LinkedIn algo had spotted what we were doing, what we were up to, and was you know, not throttling, but not giving us uh, the extended reach that we were hopeful for. I mean, that was the whole point of doing it, frankly. And around about this time. When I was coming to these conclusions, uh, one of the pod members uh, basically let me know that LinkedIn was investigating pods. And I thought, well, that's not any, that's no good. So I got in touch and I was lucky that I got a straight response, uh, probably because I asked a straight question, which was, look, I'm running a pod. Uh, is, it, is it against any, any LinkedIn rules? And the response was, yes, uh, it is against our policy. And then, you know, the, the person said, and it's this part of the user agreement. And that part of the user agreement was essentially anti-gaming. And as soon as I had that confirmation, I went back to the other pod members. And I said, okay, guys, we're done. Uh, and this is why. Uh, because any anything that messes with, you know, well, I use I use LinkedIn to pay the bills. Anything that messes with my livelihood yeah. uh, is, is a no-no. So uh, I closed it. Uh, you know, that was it. But so I think, it, you know, in terms of the artificial boosting, I think um, it goes back to you know, the overnight success comment. It's, it's going to take time for you to build up traction, to build, build up uh, visibility, and to build that tribe. And I don't think there's any way to, uh, you know, make that happen in a, in a shorter period of time. You just have to keep doing it, and you have to keep leading with value. And that's your brand is, you know, you lead with value. And I'm, I consider myself incredibly lucky because I exclusively write and share knowledge about LinkedIn. And in theory, everyone on LinkedIn uh, should be interested in that, right? Because it should all be relevant to folks who are trying to get stuff done on, on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, since polls came around, you were a very early adopter of polls. I was doing plenty yeah. of happy dances on Instagram when they when they arrived, because for me, that's it's data, it's insight from my exact um, audiences, from the people that I, I want to hear from. So yes. it's brilliant, though it does get abused and there's some horrendous polls out there that you're like, I don't care what you had for breakfast. You know, this is not right. right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, Look, just to finish on the pods, I mean, yeah. I say it, and I'm a nobody. I am not an expert on LinkedIn. I'm just a avid user that tries to help my clients on there. You are a LinkedIn expert, in my opinion, when you, whether you call yourself that or not. But it came direct from LinkedIn. It's against the rules. No pods, right. please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I hear horror stories about you know pods that are charging to oh. yeah to to to, to be to be a, to be a member of the pod it's like what really i mean how does how does anyone a think that's a good idea and b sign up for that i mean it's just um anyway so desperate desperate measures and you know trying to get stuff done quickly but polls yeah i agree with you entirely polls are um, an incredible engagement um tool if used correctly Right, so it's asking it's asking the right questions, and um, I was uh, lucky enough to get um, a 
I wouldn't say early access, but I got them, it seems like a week or two before uh, most other folks. And I just, I, I bringed in and uh, thought, yeah, oh, I've got, yeah. it. I've got it, I've got it, you know, I've got to test this to the, yeah. to the you know, the, within an inch of their lives. And so I, I did um, something like 80 polls in a, in a, like a week or a week and a half. And um, I was getting silly with some of them because I was testing, you know, I was yeah. testing and I needed to see what people hated and what people loved. Uh, but I particularly like now, uh, these days, uh, Megan, I particularly like the yes, no, and the true, false, because yeah. a lot of people just can't deal with uh, having a, like a binary choice. And it's like, oh, I really need a third. I, I, I just don't feel, I, I feel I need to say more than just true, false, or yes, no. And that's, that's manna for, from heaven in terms of engagement, because then yeah. they feel they are compelled to comment. Can't help Comments. We know how important comments are for the mm -hmm. algorithm. So, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, there's there's one that uh, Dorothy Dalton did a couple of days ago, and it was all about. Um, um, it was all about. Goodness, blanking. Early morning. You, um, yeah, yes, it was the notes. Right. It was. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. Yeah, taking notes during the interview. And uh, she had three options, and one was like a merged option, right? The the C or the number three choice was, uh, you know, either way. I, I just thought people are not going to love that. I mean, no, it could no work way. in terms I'm of comments, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I basically I stole it. I said, all right, look, I'm going to use the exact same question, but I'm going to give the, that binary choice. And I said, taking those as a candidate during interview, good idea or bad idea, right? One or two, and. Um, yeah, I mean, perhaps, well, I was, I was, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, currently, and there's still some time for it to go. It's a one day, I think it ends today, but uh, I think that's something like 80, 80% 80 or so of folks are saying it's a good idea to take uh, notes during the interview, which I don't know, maybe I'm old school or not enlightened enough. Uh, maybe this is just some kind of progressive mindset, um, but I don't get that because every interview that I've been on, uh, it's all up here. It's in the noggin, and I'm I'm like just absorbing everything. And yes, I'll write everything down after. But during the interview, I want to be I want to be totally engaged. I don't want to even be looking down for one second to scribble something down. I want like them to understand that. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 certainly absorbing, recording, uh, and I'll you know I'll record, but not during. During, I want just to be one hundred percent present and. So yeah, for 80% 80, 80 of folks, and it's over a thousand uh, votes so far. Well, I, I was one of your 80% that said it was okay to take notes. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the other thing about this, isn't it? Is there's no, I mean, there's there are a couple right of things. <laughs> there, there is, exactly, there's no right or wrong. And so that's probably what's driving people crazy. It's like in comments is, you know, a lot of people are saying exactly that. And they're saying it depends. Yeah. And I think that's obviously the nuance in this. There is, you know, especially with that question. So polls I love for the engagement. I love for taking a read, uh, getting a measure on. And then, you know, what I've started to do recently is that the weird thing about polls is there are, you know, there's, there's no closure, right, because of the way that posts are set up. It's not like you get a notification saying, Andy Foote's poll has closed. Here are the results. Right, LinkedIn yes, should do that, right? Because they kind of disappear, and then they're kind of hard to find as well. Yeah. I mean, the save function is kind of janky, um, 
you know, it's, it's not ideal. So what I've started to do, Megan, is I've now started to do another post after the poll's finished, and then I bring the results, and then I add comments, and I pull out comments that are either, you know, for one or, or, or other of the options. And so I tag those folks, uh, which is my way of saying thank you for, you know, participating and then giving giving closure. I think uh, LinkedIn needs to do more on that front. And polls back in the day when they first came out, um, you may recall, but they had more demographics. They had more stats, which is it's kind of strange that they took that away in this, you know, this second coming of polls. And I think the other theory I have about polls, why now, is that they didn't have an algorithm that could uh, help keep polls like with the distribution and help keep them in check. So now right. the algorithm, yeah, the, the algorithm can kind of um, sort that out for LinkedIn. And that's possibly why they brought them back now. I actually really like what it is you're doing with the, the resurgence of the polls when you take it for the second time and you're pulling out some of those best comments because it helps with engagement, obviously. And with um, with a lot of my clients, especially, you know, we I've been on LinkedIn for about 10 years. You, I don't know how long you've been on for, probably since the, the start as well. And, sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, so basically I'll say to them, like, you know, there's no point posting too much content until you've got a bit of an audience because you've got this great content there's just no one to see it you need to spend more of your time engaging with people who have already got party started basically which is essentially what you've got because you'll have hundreds of comments on most of your posts um if not thousands I'm sure sometimes if it's something that goes goes bananas um you know to be able to pull that out and be part of the conversation and then get a second run when someone like Andy goes and um you know logs links you into that as well you're going to get much further than keeping trying to like push your own stuff and you've got four or five people doing your survey or doing your poll sorry um you know that engagement stuff so what is your what's your recommendation for your clients when you're working with them and they don't have the kind of following that you have they may actually only be signing up for linkedin for the first time how do you help them navigate that at the beginning yeah, so there are a bunch of different techniques um, that I that I recommend. Um, for example, you've got to you've got to build a network for for sure, and you've also got to understand that once you build the network, um, you know ne you're never really going to know for sure how engaged they're going to be or how active they're going to be, but you have to build it nonetheless. And I think you've seen this too, that most people on LinkedIn who are serious about LinkedIn are in expansion mode, right? There are very few people I know who are still of the school of thought where, where they uh, essentially only connect with people they know uh, in real life, right? I mean, when was the last time you heard that or you reached out to someone and they said, yeah, sorry, I can't connect with you, Megan, because I, I only want to connect with people in real life that I know. And it, it used, back in the day, that was that was quite common. That used, days, be, uh, that used to be my um, my thing with LinkedIn. It was I had to have known you, even if it was over email, I had to have at least had yeah. a touch point in the real world with you. Right. Right, so th those that standard seems to have been uh, loosened considerably, and back also back in the day, you will know this too that LinkedIn would uh, would strongly suggest would recommend that you only connect with people that you know, which was always a head scratcher to me because I thought of LinkedIn as this amazing place where you could just build it and they would come. Yeah. And that you could build it virtually. That's what I was going to say. That thought that I lost earlier was that these days, you know, we're all virtual. 
right? Because uh, because of COVID, so everything is is done, uh, or most things are done where you don't have any human contact. So it's it's why you know LinkedIn Live is 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 a success. It's why we can you know uh, do this kind of thing, and it's it's the standard. But so build it, a, a, and they will come. I think is still true. We're all in expansion mode because I think we all realize that if we're serious about LinkedIn, that it's all about the potential, and you exponentially increase the potential by always adding new people to you know to your to your stable and so that's 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 uh, that's rule number one you always always be in expansion mode uh, rule number two is you've got to be picking people that you think there's a, a reasonable chance that uh, they'll be useful to you and vice versa so you know how can you help them and how can they help you you've got to be thinking about that you've got to have some kind of uh, policy, some kind of rules in place that dictate that, uh, which is always a bit of a gamble, frankly, isn't it? Because you know, I connect with you, and I'm thinking, yeah, she's, you know, she's going to help me in, in in such and such a way. It may never happen, but so LinkedIn has always been about that potential and that possibility. So, for example, I'm always always interested in connecting with people that um, are in my field, right? Certainly my function, right? So they're coaches. They're all about LinkedIn, absolutely. They're perhaps in the career uh, transition side of things, uh, perhaps the resume writers, right? The, um, the career coaches, I'm interested in those guys too. We have quite a lot in common and I've, I've dabbled. I've, I've done some of that uh, too. I've helped folks in transition when I worked with Challenger for Christmas who started the outplacement field in the US in the 60s, like Madman, similar. Um, that, that movie, um, Oh, I forget. I forget. I think was it George Clooney? I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so look about look for commonality, people that you have something in common with, for sure. Uh, think about proximity. Uh, you know, is there once you know once we have a vaccine, uh, six to nine months perhaps, is that is there that ability to actually sit down and have coffee or lunch? Uh, that's important. And then mutuals, right? Who do you have in common? with you know megan mcneil right does she run in the same circles as you uh so that's obviously another consideration uh so these are some of the things that i encourage my clients to look at and then you know that boils down to the connection request a great connection request would have commonality screaming uh from it for example uh dear megan um or oh, hi megan to be less formal we're both a member of x community on linkedin and I know that community sucks right now, but um, I would love to. Uh, I would love to connect with you and provide you with direct access to my my network. So that's important. That second part is basically saying, look, it's not all about you know me. It's what I can do for you. And if I've got a large engaged network, then perhaps that's you know something of value to you. Uh, but you can look for commonality in, in a lot of things. You know, dear Megan, I uh, hi Megan. I love that um, that comment you made the other day on Andy's uh, post. Uh, I 100% agree with you. I'd love to connect and provide you with direct access. And this this is another thing that I don't know if it's a trend, and I, I sure as heck don't like it, but people sending connection requests without a note uh, I, I receive a lot of them, and you know, over the, the past two weeks or so, like no notes. I mean, what? What's going on here? Is it just like are people just fishing and just thinking, yeah, I'm just gonna not not send anything out to and not explain why. So forcing him or her to come over to my profile. So I want the profile visit and I want them to do the work when I send the outreach. It's like, what? 
Well, is, there, is there any benefit to that though um with how many profile views you've had so that? i mean it's it's to me it's it's as useful as you know views on content it's like they're impressions right they're not clicks um i wish that linkedin would give us some honest stats right uh instead of the views because the views are kind of who cares and and i, I think similarly about um, profile views, I think profile views. If you get a, a reasonable amount, a reasonable amount of profile views, I think that just signifies that you're active on the yeah. platform, right? Uh, I think that's it, bottom line. Because in terms of GSD and getting stuff done, it only really matters if those views materialize into actually, you know, in my case, people becoming uh, clients. Your case mm -hmm. too, right? Unless that happens, it really doesn't matter how many. I mean, sure, you'd love to have a certain amount of you know, um, churn, a certain amount of um, people looking at you. Uh, but I usually, Megan, I usually try and figure out uh, how people found me. And so I usually ask, you know, particularly if, we're in, if, if, if they're, you know, close to becoming a target, uh, close to becoming a client, I'll say, by the way, what, how did you find me? And then that lets me know which piece of content is, is working hard, hardest for me. Um, and it's usually content, so it's not, oh, you know, I looked at your profile and I liked your profile. Uh, it's, it's not that. With me, it's usually, yeah, that, that thing you wrote about the algorithm, um, you know, that, that kind of sealed the deal. It's so, interesting yeah. you yeah. say that, though, because, um, you know, um, engagement is king, comments are king, likes are likes, but really what we want is people either sharing or engaging with our actual content. I find that, I mean, it's a lot of it's um, vanity matrix, you know, a little bit like, you know, I got so many likes on it and I've stopped caring about that mainly because I think a lot of my network here, especially in Perth, is quite passive. Um, they will look at the content and I will have in real life conversations with people. They'll say, oh, I saw you posting about such and such or I saw you're, you're live with you know whoever but I would never have been able to tell that they had been on it um same with clients I'll get clients who um will email me and it'll become apparent later on down the track that it's been LinkedIn but I would never have known that they had been anywhere near my LinkedIn yeah it's true I mean the lurkers um there there's obviously um there are obviously millions of lurkers on linkedin and they only stick their head above the parapet once they want something mm -hmm. and once they've done their research so uh you know as as um you know out there and as um prolific and mouthy and opinionated and extrovert as i am i understand that there are many many more people who are all more interested in you know their day job for example yeah. and if they uh, you know because this is my day job obviously but uh, i also have to constantly remind myself and you probably do this too is that you know my use of of linkedin is just not normal right it's not it's not standard so what's standard is people have a busy day job they'll keep an eye on stuff on linkedin they'll, they'll you know they'll come in deal with stuff and then get back to their day job and they won't spend you know, every waking minute on, on this platform. So I have to constantly remind myself about that. And what's always interesting to me is the amount of people who are on the platform at the weekend. And, uh, you know, there's like, clearly there's a contingent of people who think, well, I'm not doing anything. I just see what's going on on LinkedIn or, you know, I'll check my notifications and, and LinkedIn at the weekend is a different, uh, seems to be a different mindset. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love LinkedIn as well, because much like Pinterest, you don't actually have to be a user of the platform to be able to use the platform. There's lots of non people who don't even have a LinkedIn profile that will be checking out people because, you know, it's got such a high authority. If I was to Google your name, it's more likely that your LinkedIn is going to come up than your website or anything else, just because that's, you know, yeah with LinkedIn so I do love that as well I think that's I just think there's so much possibility on LinkedIn for others for people who aren't using it like you and I yeah absolutely I mean that that rounds at home doesn't it you do a search on Google and maybe the first result uh, usually it's the first result is uh, your LinkedIn page then that uh, I think that should reinforce just how important uh, LinkedIn is uh, and certainly in terms of you know your branding and that you need to get you know get full control of that and make sure that you're controlling what people think uh you know about your page yeah definitely now i think we can both completely agree that in terms of building your brand whether it's a personal brand a business brand linkedin is a must and in, in my opinion and i would say definitely in yours as well Let's talk a little bit about your personal brand and how did you end up being the LinkedIn guy? Where, how yeah. did that start? Right. So, yeah, I think I think it, it started like this. It started with me being a stay-at-home dad and looking after my bear. And so she's, you know, she's whatever in the car and she's fairly immobile in the early days and mostly sleeping. So I'm, I'm on the couch and I've got the laptop open and, I'm, and, I, and I find this, this thing called LinkedIn. I think, hmm, what's this? Interesting. And it was about the same time frame, uh, I think 10 years ago too for me, um, you mentioned. And about this time, I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. So I, get, I, I become consumed by this website called LinkedIn. And I'm not an early adopter by any means because I think it was 2003, 2004. And I did this, um, you know, like 10 years ago. And then, like I said, LinkedIn groups were fascinating to me because this was something that I could build. These were things I could build. And then there was the immediate engagement and people joining. And then we could talk about that particular subject that I've, you know, built the community around. Fascinating. And fiercely competitive even then because there were some groups that I built that weren't growing fast enough according to you know my my assessment so those that weren't growing fast enough i would i would i would ask if anyone wanted to take them over in the group and uh, you know there's probably some groups out there that i started that are now you know doing wonderfully well uh, but yeah i started them and so that's where my education began that's where i got to understand how linkedin worked and then once i started to learn i started to write about how i felt linkedin worked and then I got, you know, quite preachy and quite uh, opinionated about certain things, often branding related. And I, I started writing. And my early writing, I'm glad, uh, you know, has kind of been uh, sort of hidden or kind of been, uh, you know, lost in time uh, because, you know, it's, it's just hard to find unless you go into my, 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 my website and you, you search on it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's lost and it's covered in dust um, digital dust because it, it wasn't the best and I think I got better once I realized that if I write the way that I speak 
right, the, right, the way that I communicate normally, then that does a couple of things. It makes, I think it makes me a more engaging writer, uh, but it also enables me to find my voice, my true voice, the, the way that I, uh, you know, faithfully express myself. So in the early days, I think I was too much of a wordsmith and in love with, you know, the, the big words and the vocab. And then I started, you know, just keeping it simpler and wanting really to engage and to um, really simplify some of this stuff and distill it into, you know, uh, terms and sentences that everyone could, could, could understand and hopefully appreciate. So I, and I, and I wrote this one article, uh, three stunningly good LinkedIn summaries. And I sort of fell in love with the word stunningly and I kept on using stunningly for a number of different, um, uh, articles and something interesting happened with that post um, it, it they're all indexed right and whenever you write something it's indexed by search engines but this was indexed and then pretty quickly landed on the first page for two specific searches and I had no idea what I was doing back then I had no idea about search engine optimization or search engine marketing I had no idea uh, but I got very very lucky because at that precise time people were looking for uh, great summary examples. One search, right? Or, or, or good, stunning examples. Uh, good, good um, LinkedIn summaries, or, or LinkedIn summary examples. And I had both of those uh, covered in that title. And it, it, as soon as it got on the first page, Megan, then I started to get this huge upsurge in traffic to my wee blog, LinkedInsights.com, and it continued to ramp up. And I was getting thousands of visitors um, every, uh, sometimes 2,000 a day, right? And I was like, this is, this is crazy. So that put me on the map. And that essentially uh, started my LinkedIn consulting business. And what was slightly different about that, um, that article too was I was using real-life examples, which no one else seemed to be doing at the time. And I was using, using screenshots of yeah. real-life you know, real um, stuff that people were doing well and they explained why i thought they were doing it well and particularly you know in this in this case um the summary section now called the about section so i highlighted three and i explained why i thought they were stunningly good and then you know that's the rest is history because then i started to do the same thing i wanted to capture lightning in the bottle again and again and i wanted to make sure that i was giving my view i was backing it up as much as you can, right? Because there's not a lot of data that you can point to that, well, why is it suddenly good? You have to essentially reinforce that by explaining why, yeah. and hopefully people agree, right? So I was saying, look, don't write in the third person. You know, that's 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 not that's not the right way to persuade. Um, look how uh, Mark is doing it. Mark's doing these, you know, these one sentence kind of throwaway things. Uh, I run towards fires. Remarkable, right? Because they they resonate and they're creative, and that's fundamentally what a lot of people can't seem to do, right? All they do is they copy and paste their resume, and then they're passive, and they think, okay, uh, build it, and they will come. No, you you have to make sure whatever you build is really impactful. You have to think like a copy, like a copywriter, right? Especially with a headline. And so there are all these different facets of LinkedIn, the, the profile page that I essentially would. Um, would would preach about and would say, okay, listen, you've got to do this, and here's why. And I also want to be the type of LinkedIn consultant that just didn't just report the news, uh, like this has changed, right? But 
So instead of the what, what's changed, I wanted to explain why I felt it's changed or why something has been set up on LinkedIn in such and such a way. And I think that's the, the sweet spot. I think that's when people hire you is they, they go for, generally speaking, they go for people that have the depth of understanding, the ability to explain the why rather than just report the news. And so, you know, that's, that's my approach has always been like I'm a wordsmith, you know, I'm a wordsmith, I'm a marketer, and I, I'm someone who's obsessed, certainly obsessed about LinkedIn and thinks he understands how certain things work and, more importantly, how they could work for you. Uh, you know, that's, I think that's it broken down. That's the clincher is how it can work for you because everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, it's always what's in it for me. So when we go on to yeah. Andy's page, what's in it for me? What can I extract from here that's going to be able to help me? So you were stay-at-home dad. You started this blog. At this point, you weren't commercializing that. This was all of a sudden you get to the front page. There's a hell of a lot of traffic coming and you're like, I can make a business out of this. That's it in essence, right? Um, Google uh, basically made me a success. Uh, LinkedIn really didn't have much to do with it. LinkedIn is certainly the foundation and it's the, yep. the platform that I became very, very interested in because of the potential. And the fact that LinkedIn forces you to make choices, doesn't it? It forces you to make lots and lots of choices in terms mm -hmm. of branding, how you market yourself, uh, and it boils down to, well, you know, that headshot or this headshot, right? Do I use the default headline or do I build a slogan, right? How do I maximize the about section, etc. It yeah. forces everyone, right, to become a marketer, to become a branding guru, to become someone who understands, you know, uh, PR and etc., etc., etc. And not everyone is equipped or has the time to do that. And so that's why they hire you and me because we help them, you know, with, with these things because they're busy with the day job, like, like I said. So, yeah, that put me on the map. And then uh, once I realized I was getting this huge amount of traffic, I thought, okay, that's interesting. Uh, I think I can continue to do that. I think I can, uh, you know, I'm confident in my wordsmith abilities and, and, you know, I have plenty to say about LinkedIn, just like lots of other folks. I put a call to action at the end of every article subsequently. Yeah. And the call to action was essentially, hey, if you like, you know, if you like what I'm writing, if you agree with what I'm saying, blah, 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 uh, then, you know, I'm for hire uh, and I can help you with your LinkedIn uh, presence. And it was as simple as that. And then, you know, I started to get incredibly busy and this may be your, your problem too, but I can't scale. So I have a very fixed uh, time frame in terms of, you know, here, I can help you but you're going to have to wait because I've got lots of other people that I'm going to help too. And I, there are folks that can do it, that scale and that you know, delegate and get other people to, to do you know, some of it. But I prefer to be hands-on and I want to help them one-on-one. -on -one. And so it's a slower, it's a slower model. I, um, yeah, I love that. I also am, I'm going through the kind of how do I scale at the moment. I did a 21-day LinkedIn challenge, which I put, I did three of them just to test it out to see what people liked and what they didn't like. And I did them within LinkedIn groups, which worked okay, apart from I had to tag everyone every day to make sure they actually got the notification of the task for the day. That was mm. great, but that was a lot of work because I had to be in every single day and you can't schedule into groups. So you're in there um, trying to make sure that you're posting the same time every day because I had people in America, Canada, UK and Australia. So trying to wow. sit for everyone um that was hard so i have all that content now and i'm going to put it as a self-paced challenge 
because I just I I just learned so much, um, especially the first one because the stuff I was putting out was way too high level, um, because people didn't need that; they actually needed less. Right. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I think I found a sweet spot for people that you know that you and I can help that just. They just need to know how on earth to set up their their page because it's not a resume. It's a landing page. It is a free landing page. People pay a fortune for pages that are set up in the exact same way. LinkedIn gives it to you for free. It has such a high authority. Like, I mean, if you can just put in a few excellent keywords and spell your name right, you should be fine. Um, You know, just make it appealing and people can understand what the hell it is you do when they land on that lovely landing page you've created. So that's what I'm trying to do just now is turn that so that I'm not in it um, because that it was hard work. It was amazing. I loved it. I learned so much, but you can't do that and service my high end. Well, not high end, but clients are paying for that one-on-one service as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, Andy, um, do you have a Scottish background? Because I've heard a couple of Scottish words in there that I wasn't I, expecting. Yes, I did. I did on purpose. Yeah, I, I sound like a Sassanac, but my you know, my dad is from Glasgow. Oh, yeah. Uh, and in fact, his family, the Gorbals originally, wrap your head around that. So, yeah, my dad, uh, my dad's dad uh, worked in the the shipyards. Uh, initially, and then he, um, he he landed a job with Rolls Royce in Glasgow. And our uh, our vacations, uh, my dad was in the British forces uh, for most of his career. Uh, our vacations were jumping in the car, driving across from Germany through the Netherlands, hopping on a car ferry, and driving uh, from Dover up to Glasgow. And it was the best best vacay ever because uh, that's that's all all that me and my sister knew and we would go down the shops and i would uh, look forward to the ice cream van coming around and i would get a double nugget and you know bacon bacon rolls sausage rolls square sausage uh, squares of course i i mean I, I need to do a road trip i need to get back there post covid uh but yeah pineapple cakes most of it's food related by the way <laughs> But oh, same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. I know. Good luck getting. Good luck getting that in, in Perth. So, yeah. I mean, I'll. I, I. I romanticize about it. It was fantastic childhood. But yes, yeah, Scottishness is 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 key. Um, you know, it's 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 part of my um, it's part of my DNA. Um, I'm weird because I'm half German and half Scots, and then I've got this English. You know, uh, accent, which is British forces. I think most British forces kids sound like I do. So I'm kind of hard to place because some of my vowels are like northern. Um, and yeah, over here, people don't know what to make of me. They, 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 I mean, I get called Kiwi. Uh, I, I get, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand where that's coming from at all because I, I certainly don't sound like a. Um, I get Canadian. A, a New Zealand. You get what? Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, well, my yeah. husband's Canadian, but even before I'd met him, I used to get Canadian. I get Irish a lot, which I kind of understand because of the Celtic Yeah, accent. the thing Yeah, mm. the That's so interesting because I am, obviously, I've got the Scottish accent, but I'm Scottish um, with quite a bit of English in me and German as well. Oh, really? Yep, my dad's yeah, yeah. German. What's that? 
my dad's gran was German. So, yeah. interesting. And can you speak Deutsch? No, but my dad no. had um, like bright blonde, like he was blonde, blonde with curly hair and the big blue eyes. And when we would go on holiday when we were younger, you know, timeshare would come around and try and sell yeah. things. And he would pretend he didn't know English and he looked <laughs> German. So they just started speaking to him in German and he's going, oh, fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's that's an important part of my childhood, and, and like I say, my um, my my upbringing, and yeah, uh, I mean, I, I love being an army brat. That was fantastic too. Uh, but I was in Germany, could understand the language. Obviously, I spoke nothing but German as a kid because my mother uh, was German. Uh, but yeah, yeah, fond fond memories of Glasgow, and then of course, uh, not of course, but I went to I went to to Dundee University and studied law. Um, so got to got to know that that city as well, and um, got married. Um, a bunch of my bunch of my pals from from uh, university days were were in the entourage, and um, yeah, that's incredible. My best friend Olivia, she studied law at Dundee as well. Interesting, interesting. Too many similarities here. I don't know if um, how long the statue's been there, but the Desperate Dan statue in the middle of Dundee, was that there when you were studying? Good question. Um, I'm not sure it was. I'm not sure it was. I mean, on, on, on my wife's side in the wedding, um, I forget the girl's name, which is embarrassing, but um, she was opposite a good friend of mine, Brian, who's a lawyer in Dundee right now. And she she said to me, she said, Andy, I think Brian's great, but I have absolutely no idea what he's saying. Because we had this very strong, still does, very strong Londonian accent. So uh, uh, what's what's the, the uh, an Ingen's and R, a Twa Pairs, Twa Pairs and Ingen's and R. Uh, no idea, no idea what, you know, what, what uh, most people have no idea, but it's two pies and onions as well. Oh, right. yeah, lost me. <laughs> Quiet pears and Ingen's and ah. What? What is Brian saying to me? I think he's a cute guy, but I have no idea what he's saying. Um, yeah. In, but, impenetrable, Megan. Yes. The East Coast, the East Coast of Scotland, they've got some strange accents. You're better staying in the West, you're fine. <laughs> well, it's the UK as a whole. I mean, you just have to travel 50 miles and the accent will be uh, completely different, which is um, incredible and fun and interesting. 100%. Andy, it has been amazing talking to you. Um, I have, I've obviously been following along for quite a while on some of the amazing stuff that you're posting. So anyone who is watching or listening, make sure that you follow Andy Foote with an E at the end on um, LinkedIn. He's also got a podcast, which is rather clever, Footnotes. I think that's rather smart. I was impressed with that. Um, Andy, where else can people find you if they want to get in touch or follow along? Yeah, LinkedIn is, is the place to um, to engage with me and to send me a connection <laughs> request with a note. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing the footnotes thing as well because why not? It's fun, you know. It's fun to to speak with people and um, LinkedIn gives us lots of new toys continually, right? So there's stories, and newsletters, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, playing catch up with the other social channels. But I am so pleased that you invited me on. I think you're doing some fantastic stuff too, Megan. Uh, keep doing your thing. Uh, thank you. But thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. 
No worries, and we will do this again. Hopefully, uh, maybe we can have that reunion in Scotland once everything opens up. Wouldn't Good halfway nice. point. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> How many hours? How many hours on the plane? Uh, twenty-four. Well, seventeen for me. Twenty-four hours from door to door. <laughs> so you might get there before me. <laughs> That's insane. The thought of being up in the air in a tin can for that long it just doesn't compute. I don't think I have to worry about that for a while. Our borders aren't opening anytime soon. But Andy, thank you so much. I will let you go just now so you can start your day and I will chat to you soon. Good night and thanks, Megan. Thanks so much for listening to Personal Branding Exposed. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the others, then please listen to some more, but also share it with your friends and leave a review. I'm a pretty new podcast, so that means quite a lot for me and I really appreciate your kind words social media if you have any feedback or you just want to just want to chat really send me a message i'm normally found on instagram or linkedin they're where i like to hang out but i do have facebook if that's your thing and also on the website you can get my details there and you can get in touch thank you so much for getting this far if you want a little bit more though these episodes actually go out live every tuesday at 8 p.m western standard time here in western australia at 8 p.m which if you're in Canada or America, that'll be first thing in the morning for you so you can uh, listen over your morning coffee. And if you're in the UK, it'll be over your lunch break. I speak to these amazing people every single Tuesday and they just expose their personal brands to us. They tell us what makes them tick, what motivates them. We hear their stories of where they've come from and where they are now and how they got there. There's loads you can take from this, lots of uh, motivation and inspiration. Like These people are awesome and they've really niched down. They know what it is that they're doing, so there's so much to take away from them. I have got this amazing lineup of people coming up, so make sure it's in your diary, 8pm Western Standard Time and the podcast drops every Wednesday. Till next time.